there's 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 something here. What is it? What is it? Oh, sorry. Hold on. Oh, sorry. I had to turn up my mic volume. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? In this house. In this house, who? <laughs> In this house, nothing fucking happens. You're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> Straight to hell. <laughs> So many things happen. Tons of things happen. Hey there, uh, Skinamarinky Dinky Doos and Jesus Christ, <laughs> Skinamarinky Dinky Dinks. How's everybody doing this week? Uh, welcome to the Devil's Cut Podcast and all things horror podcasts. I'm your co-host Matt Young, and with me today, as always, is my co-host Eric Rossi. Uh, but we also have a special guest this week. Do you want to, Eric? Do you want to introduce it? <laughs> yeah. She's on your end. <laughs> All right. We, we are here with friend of the pod and ex-girlfriend, <laughs> Tiff. Hello. <laughs> spooky spook, spooky ex-Tiff. Yes, I, I subjected Tiff to uh, viewing this in theaters after I had seen it, so. Very hesitantly, I went. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that being said, the, what, we're, what we're talking about today is the 2023 film uh, Skinnamarink. Uh, I think it was like a limited release, limited theater release, but is now streaming on Shutter. Yeah, it did 600 theaters for like an initial one week run. And I actually saw a couple places are bringing it back for just this weekend. Just yeah, so they more did people. A, they did an encore run when we went. Yeah, I've heard like, uh, you know, early impressions of this movie. It was being, you know, touted as sort of like a modern Blair Witch experience you know that's kind of what people were comparing it to to like uh, the viewing Blair Witch you know in theaters way back when I I think a lot of people came out of both movies with a similar like what the fuck was that (laughs) yes but it's one of those you know viral marketing type movies where a lot of the like draw is from like oh look how scared these people are in theaters uh, certainly, people weren't puking like they were in Terrifier, <laughs> but you know it's 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 still got that sort of vibe going on that I have to go see it because everyone's freaking out. Yeah, apparently it had an initial run at at one of the film festivals. I don't think it was Sundance. I can't remember which one it was, but there was an error where it posted online, and that's how a bunch of people saw it last year. And it created a ton, a ton of viral buzz because everybody could stream it last year on like pirated sites. And I think it ended up on Reddit where most people found it, but it got a ton of buzz online and then Shudder and IFC, uh, along with Bayview Entertainment, picked it up for distribution. That's wild. I actually didn't know that. I was unaware that there was sort of this whole Uh, underground viewing scene like a year before this even released and even before this uh the the creator director uh kyle edward ball he uh apparently he has like a a youtube channel Mm. 
that's like where he came from. He was like directing and creating, producing all these like uh, horror shorts that were like based off comments that he found where people were talking about their nightmares. So like this is kind of his like wheelhouse. Sure. Yeah, I I can definitely see the influence there. Yeah, he made like a ton of shorts, and I think one of them, uh, the one that is kind of like the proof of concept for this movie, is this short. I think it's like about a half hour, maybe twenty minutes, uh, called Heck. Right. I just discovered his YouTube page like this week while like looking stuff up, so I definitely want to check it out. But I hear really good things about some of his other stuff. Yeah, I did read about Heck. Uh, as as it it being sort of a precursor to the to Skinnamarink, I haven't personally checked it out, but it, it I, I totally believe that this whole feature movie was based off of a short. Um, I <laughs> I also believe that it should have remained a short. It's okay. You're allowed to be wrong. It's fine. It's no big problem. No no big deal. No, no whatever. Last week we already established we're best friends, so this week we can go to war. It's fine. It's true. It's true. We're allowed to have. We we can't agree all the time. It's a boring podcast if we always agree. But uh, yeah. All right. So let's you know what. Let's get into some like inform the information phase. You know, tell me tell me about Skinnamarink. Tell the viewers who aren't fully aware of it. Okay, so Skinnamarink is a hour and a half. Oh, yeah, it's an hour. It was a hundred minutes. Yeah, it's, it's an agree. It was not. A, it was a hundred. It was an hour and forty minutes. It was an, <laughs> an egregious hour and forty minutes. It is directed by Kyle Edward Ball. Uh, really small cast. Uh, we have Jamie Hill, Dolly Rose, Trout. Tyrolt? Dolly like, Rose. It, it looks like Tetro or something. Tetro? Very I think French. It's tetro. tetro. I have no idea how. There should be an X in there. If he's it's looking tetro. at his phone like he's reading a different language. I mean, you yeah, should see the way they yeah. spell this. Anyway, uh, also starring Ross Paul and Lucas Paul. Yeah. Uh, Are those the. No, that's not the kid. The kids aren't twins, right? No. Ross Paul plays the dad, Lucas Paul plays Kevin, the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, child. <laughs> the child. The child. Uh, it was also, you asked me to look into this, Eric. Uh, it was also co-directed um, by the person that the movie was dedicated to. Or I, well, I don't know about co-directed, but the assistant director. Oh, um, okay, jo- okay. Josh, Joshua Bookhalter, who the movie is dedicated to because he died of a, uh, I believe, like, so far undisclosed... Skin rink accident? It was a nightmare. Uh, reason. Um, he passed away shortly after the movie wrapped. Um, it was actually an interesting. It's actually That's an so interesting story um, because they were so Kyle Edward Ball and Joshua were apparently like very good friends. I mean, obviously, if you're you know co-directing a movie together, you have to get somewhat close. Um, but apparently, it was actually a extra hard time for Kyle because not only was his close friend gone, but the entire audio for the movie was on Joshua's computer, which he did not have access to. Oh, my God. (laughs) So he actually had to sort of, like, tactfully try and broach the subject of getting into Joshua's computer with his family while trying to be conscious uh, uh, and sensitive, you know, about... like. like Could you imagine approaching my mom being like, hey... I know Eric passed away of an unfortunate skin and marink accident, 
but uh, I, he's got some really good uh, stuff. But he's got audio I need. He's got. <laughs> oh, Valentine would totally, your mom would totally give me access to everything. <laughs> I think you're the only person that she would give access to. <laughs> she would definitely let me just have free reign over all your possessions if I was like, listen, I need this. It's for <laughs> it's for both of us. Um, I know, according to interview, Kyle said he uh, edited the entire thing within four days straight through just by himself which sounds like a fucking hellish undertaking all on its own because uh, a lot of the dialogue and the audio was recorded after the fact like all of the lines for the kids and stuff that wasn't like diegetic stuff that they recorded in the house all of it is like adr <laughs> oh you don't say <laughs> yeah i i kind of figured as much it's such a it's such a bizarre movie for like to have children like you know acting like like speaking lines during it, I I wouldn't it would be so weird to 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 have this whole per- thing performed just like in the moment. Can you give can you give us a breakdown you, uh, of like what the you know give the viewers or listener viewers listeners a uh, <laughs> breakdown of what the movie's about? Can they see us? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a webcam cover, so maybe. The general consensus of the movie is that we have, you know, without much spoilers, this is pretty much right off the trailer. Two children wake up. Uh, they can't find their parents. Uh, all of the windows and doors from their house have inexplicably disappeared. And without any, you know, course of action as far as finding help, they resort to just sticking it out in the living room and setting up a little blanket fort and waiting for help to arrive. And unfortunately, help never arrives. <laughs> uh, it's looking at a 5.2 on IMDb, 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is kind of impressive to That's me. Surprising. That's crazy. That's absolutely insane. 5.2 is just like the like just slightly under average for IMDb. Um, but yeah, 71 on Rotten Tomatoes is impressive. I like the movie and I would have put it in like the 40s. <laughs> just for Rotten Tomatoes, knowing Rotten Tomatoes, I would have oh, put it in the 40s. Oh, just guessing it? Yeah, okay, yeah, I would have yeah, put yeah. it in the yeah. 40s. IMDb tends to skew pretty low um, uh, on the scoring. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is actually wait. So is what is that the critical score or the audience score? The critical is actually seventy one. The audience impressive guess is at forty three. Oh, look mm-hmm. at you! <laughs> I knew it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that makes more sense because we can't trust the critics. They don't know nothing. <laughs> um, let's see. It. Was made on a absolute shoelace budget of fifteen grand, and according to Google's results, it's raked in two million box office wise. Yeah, it crushed box office. That's you know what I I think I think that's still overpriced. They could have made this movie for like five grand. I probably could have made this movie. (laughs) <laughs> for five grand you could have made yes, this movie yes, for five grand yes, i could have made yes. it for probably less me, than a grand <laughs> you give me five thousand dollars right now i'll make this movie i got news it's gonna cost more than five grand just in glue to stick all those legos <laughs> to the ceiling so good fucking luck that's what, that's what you think because that's when you that's when you buy a chandelier and glue it to the ground instead uh-huh. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone's guessed it by now. Uh, I, I 
fucking loved this movie. I went and saw it by myself initially in theaters, uh, like the weekend it opened up and it was life affirming and, uh, caused me to really pour over my childhood memories and uh luckily we didn't turn up too much tiff came and saw it with me after and i only really i didn't want to see it at all he invited me to see it the first time i didn't want to see it at all because he told me that there was like no dialogue and then seeing his face when he walked through the door when he saw it i was like oh this is gonna be like the movie i've been waiting for to make me feel some type of way so I was like, all right, just his, like, demeanor when he walked through the door, I was like, okay, I have to see this movie now. And did it make you feel some type of way? First scene. First scene, I was like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was also, see, I, I think uh, maybe one of the bigger problems for me was that I was, I was actually influenced. I was overhyped by, uh, by Eric for this one. That's understandable. He he did hype I've, it up. I look, I've been on the mountain preaching and praising this movie since the second I got out of the theaters. So like, I, I will I will take that I will take that burden. Before we get into like deep spoiler territory or anything, I I know it seems like I, it seems like I like hate this movie. I don't. I I actually think this movie is overall like pretty good. I just think there's some like pr- like fairly extreme shortcomings that it has. You know, I, I think for the for the a general viewer, I, they're not. I just don't think this movie is for. It's just not for everybody. You know, I I think it's for it's for some very specific people, and I think that it could have been for like more for everybody with like some slight tweaks. Uh, and I, I I think like I, I don't know I would pre- I would prefer this is this is gonna be one of those times where I'm like I'd rather it be a the I'd rather the director try to pander more oh yeah see this th- this is where we disagree I feel like a hundred percent the opposite direction like totally agree with you that like it's not for everyone I I, I think it's a very specific movie and if you don't submit yourself and like give yourself over to the viewing experience then you're not gonna get out what is intended and i think the more you let yourself go and sink into the movie the more you're gonna get out of it i i i just don't think that going into it with any sort of like preconceived notions on what you intend to get out of it will help you I think for me, like, going into it, Eric didn't give me, like, really any spoilers at all. So I was going into it, like, thinking it was, like, a movie. I didn't know that there really wasn't too much of a plot to it. So as soon as we, like, walked out of the theater, I was like, okay, if I went into this knowing that it was a film, like, more so film than it was a movie, then I would have, like, went into it a different way. But, like... Now that I, like, realize, like, oh, this was, like, a film. Like, this is supposed to really make you feel something and really, like, think about things and, like, really give yourself over to it. You kind of have to put the pieces together. Yeah, it's definitely not a complete puzzle. And, uh, I, I mean, the director himself has, like, in an interview said, like, there is a very concrete narrative in the movie. You just have to let it, you know, 
surface. You can't like sit through it and expect it to be spelled out for you. I'm really interested to see how this is doing and how it's being received internationally because I feel mm. like a lot of especially like European and uh, Asian audiences are a little bit more accustomed to like really an art like house film than like the general American public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but here's the thing. I actually don't think it's going to be received very well overseas because I think what this movie is evokes is a very specifically american child fear vibe like because like this is like this movie i i have lived this movie like i used to be a a, you guys i mean you eric you know i Mm -hmm. grew up as a very terrified fearful child that's why i've spent my whole adult life steeping myself in horror because it's like sort of a coping mechanism for me therapeutic um Yeah, when I was a kid, I was scared of everything. I spent most nights of my childhood, like, living in the the, the glow of midnight cartoons just to keep me safe. Just like in this movie. So you'd think that, like, I would be, like, a little more warm on it than I am. Mm -hmm. But, But I don't think that a lot of other countries have, you know, necessarily that kind of, like... Because this specifically takes place in the 90s, you know? It's 95, right? Yeah, yeah. So right around, I mean, this is exactly my, like, age demographic here. I I don't know if a lot of other countries, if people... I think it's a smaller scope of people who can relate to this specific type of, like, fear and specific environment, you know? Like, this is definitely tailored towards us. Like, you, me... Like people in our sort of like age um, group demographic, yeah. age group, age group, and yeah, and demographic. Like it's like it's such a focused type of experience. Um, so I don't know if uh, overseas people, even given the the you know type of movie that it is, I don't know if like uh, necessarily every other culture is gonna have this sort of like gonna be able to identify with it. I know like. For for me and Tiff, like, we both have a lot of siblings, and, like, me personally, like, I when I was the age of these children, like, I we lived with my grandparents on my mom's side, my grandmother on my dad's side was very close by. I text my mom, like, in preparation for this, I was like, if I was, like, four to six range, like, what do you think the longest span of time that I ever spent by myself was? And she was like, I don't know, probably like less than an hour tops. Like, you know, I had my own, I had on top of that, my other brother who was like, you know, super close in age to me, like the kids in this movie were, but like we had such a wide like support network of like people that like, I don't think I ever experienced like a type of isolation that this movie like really puts forth, mm-hmm. but I have definitely like experienced this type of fear like after watching this movie the first time i like i said i had accessed like deep deep memories of like childhood fears that i haven't thought about in years like you know the first nightmare i can remember and like the first time i ever realized my parents weren't where i thought they were and then i was alone like just like all these weird like surreal experiences to like it was it was just weird it was like the stuff that came out of it surprised me 
Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, I definitely, uh, I, I can totally relate with that. Um, and I think this movie does, it does do a really good job of, like, ev- evoking some, f- like, feelings that relate to, to that stuff. But, like, overall, though, for me, like, I, I, especially given that I'm, like, somebody who the, I, I would have thought this movie would have really spoken to, you know, and made me feel scared. I just, may, maybe it's because I've spent, like, so much deliberate time trying to remove myself from being scared of, like, stuff like this. I don't know. Maybe that has something to do with it. I didn't find this movie very, uh, like, challenging fear-wise. And also, I just, like... It, it, a lot a lot of the time this movie just was like i almost fell asleep a couple times i think i did fall asleep yeah you fell asleep, <laughs> you fell asleep and twice, i liked it <laughs> but i i luckily like had enough uh situational awareness to be like oh my god like i need to wait i need to yeah. check and make At sure the she's beginning awake. of the movie because he told me that when he saw it that he was like dozing off a little bit so in the beginning of the movie i was like you got to make sure that like if i'm dozing off like you wake me up but, like, growing up, I was always afraid of the dark. Like, that feeling you get when, like, mm-hmm. you're walking past a completely dark room and you just want to run past it. Like, that's the mm-hmm. feeling that this movie gave me. And, like, yeah. growing up, I'm definitely still afraid of the dark. But this 100% enhanced it. I think I slept with the light on for, like, a week <laughs> and a half after I saw this. See, see, I, that happened to me when I saw... Um, paranormal activity yes in theaters i i did the same thing where i like slept with the lights on for a week after after this though i was like whatever but i am still you know i every once in a while i'm the same with you tiff i i was like a so scared of the dark when i was a kid i used to i my body is so familiar with the like the the reflex to sprint through the house flipping <laughs> yep. light switches as i go you know just like I can I can go mock speed and hit a light every light switch on my way, you know. <laughs> I can Yeah, I was the it. child that got in trouble for leaving all the lights <laughs> on at night. <laughs> me too, me too. I had like a really in the, my childhood home, we had a staircase. So like you would enter in the house, walk through like a hallway over to a staircase and then Oh, like a wooden, a long wooden staircase. I would not walk off that staircase. Oh my black, god, it was like the worst black. as a little kid. That's scary. Yeah, because because <laughs> you would have to go in, and it was like these slow progressions of light. So you would turn on a light as soon as you walked in, and then you would have to turn on another light as you went through another door, and you go down a hallway to the stairs, and then it is pitch black because there was a door at the top of the stairs. So it was like, all right, well, I got to flip on that light too. <laughs> I feel like that house had ominous vibes to begin with. <laughs> you know what's crazy? Like, I never felt, like, uncomfortable in that house ever until we were moving, and I was there alone one night. And That'll do it. Like, I think I remember you telling me about this, too. I experienced a fear that night that I haven't experienced until I watched this movie. <laughs> it, it, like, legit. Like, I, I sat down, and I was watching this movie, and I'm like, I feel exactly the way I did that night. Well, I you feel know like what? This kid... movie altered your brain chemistry. Absolutely, <laughs> I, 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 it reverted his brain chemistry. chemistry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it untangled something in my brain, and it was, it was. Oh no! I think it's that you I... had tied up. You had it tied up all night, <laughs> and it just unraveled <laughs> it. It was like, oh, what if we take this box and just pour it out on the floor like a bunch of Legos? He's like, <laughs> he's like fucking Danny Torrance from, uh, from Doctor Sleep. He has, he's had these fucking hotel ghosts locked in these boxes forever, and this movie was just like 
open, 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 open. <laughs> yeah, it was just like flip that trumpet on the floor and flip that and dump it on the floor. Open these windows, open those doors. Yeah, it was bad. Uh, but uh, all right, all right. But I mean, so so basically, I think what we're tr- you know obviously listeners can hear that like I, I'm a little softer on this movie uh, than Eric and even Tiff. Um, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I just wish it was shorter um, because I think a lot of this movie um, spends too much time on trying to, like, trick you into seeing things that, like, aren't even there to begin with remotely, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, where at least with, the thing for me was, like, Paranormal Activity scared me because, like, a lot of the time you really weren't sure if, like, something was happening in the darkness or something was and a lot of the time, something was happening. In this movie, you have those scenes, but nothing is ever happening. I definitely agree with you on that. Like, at the hour mark, I definitely, like, saw myself checking my phone, like, every 10 minutes, like, how much longer is left of this movie? Because, like, I just didn't see where else it could go. And I, yeah, and I just don't think it would have, I don't think it would have hurt, I, I think it would have helped this movie if they had just thrown in some, like, spooky, like, you know, static, creepy images like, oh, is this a ghost? Is it not a ghost? Is it a demon? Is it not a demon? Like, it just edit it a little bit. Throw in something to, like, tease us. Because, like you said, yeah, a- after an hour of just static shots of, like, nothing, you know, it would have been cool to to at least have a little bit of a, like, tease of, of, of something scary. But, like, it, this movie sort of, because this movie lasts so long, it trains you to realize that nothing is ever going to happen. And then you're just like, well, why am I here? I I disagree only because I think the length of the movie is, like, part of it. Like, I genuinely think part of this movie is the torturous, lengthy nature. The long shots training you to, like, play on that trope of, like, oh, I need to look around in the darkness to find the thing. When in reality, it's not there. Like, I think there's lots of elements visually that, like, compound to, like, help reinforce that. Like, the extreme amount of, like, film grain static is something I don't think I've ever seen in a movie. It, it causes, like, a moray pattern on the screen that, like, I don't think even exists on like old CRTVs, you know what i mean? Oh yeah, no yeah. This this movie also for listeners is if you are prone to like feeling sick during movies, um this one might also not be for you just because the visuals are like the film grain is so intense that like i think those prone to seasickness like might not enjoy this one. But i but i you know what Eric, i have to say like i don't think that makes it like, for me, I don't think that's a good, like, I don't think that makes it better. Like, it's so it's actually pretty ironic because just today I was listening to a new episode of Last Podcast on the Left where they're talking about a whaling boat incident that was the inspiration for Moby Dick. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and they were talking about how most of Moby Dick is just the the writer trying to purposefully bore the reader so that they experience how boring life was as a whaler and i think that's why people don't read that book anymore because it's a stupid thing to do because <laughs> nobody wants to be wants to be bored for 90% of your experience <laughs> i think it's an art, extremely artistic decision but it, it, you know it all comes down to like you know your different tastes and w- what you like and yeah. what you don't like i personally 
loved being waterboarded by this movie for an hour and 40 minutes. <laughs> See, I think the movie could have been like an hour and 20 minutes. Like, cut 20 minutes out of like the middle because I feel like I was the most like quote unquote scared. I was more so uncomfortable during most of the movie, but I got scared mostly during the last like 15 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But they the w- middle was just, I feel like they were just using the same footage over and over, and I was looking at the same thing over and over again, and I could have done with 20 minutes less of that. I think an hour and 20 minutes would have been, like, the perfect time, because mm-hmm. then, like, mm-hmm. you hit that hour mark, and you would have gotten 20 minutes of being actually scared and not uncomfortable. I think that's like, a totally I, reasonable cut. I think the yeah. last 20 minutes was probably, like, some of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely. for sure. I think the first the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes are the best. Which is why I think that that movie could have been 60 minutes and you have the first 20, the middle 20, <laughs> the last 20. And that's all you need because the middle is so there's just so much. Well, here's my question. So, the whole I I I've explained this to Eric, but t- has Tiff seen the Backrooms videos, the YouTube videos? Have no. you? No. I don't think so. We should, after this recording, she should stick on for a little bit and we should watch the back rooms so that she can, because I would like to see her opinion on it. Because this whole time I was watching this movie, I was just like, I would rather be watching the 20 minute short that is the back rooms on YouTube. <laughs> we should watch because I Because that like really, I would also be uh, uh, <laughs> uh, around for that. But like, I, I feel like... <sighs> I, I like the concept of this movie better than its execution. Like, I think if there was just a little, 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 little bit more of a narrative push to this movie, not that the, not that every movie has to be like, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying that like every movie has to be like a clean cut, like clear narrative. Like I'm okay with ambiguity and like some artistic direction in terms of like storytelling. But I think this movie is too too far and i think like the concept is cool enough that like if we if he dialed it in a little bit and they brought like a little bit more narrative to it like maybe it was also like when you're dealing with such little children it's kind of hard to direct a movie that way maybe you had to rewrite a little make age the kids up a smidge or something i don't know i I just want like a little bit more story and performance out of it even if it's just a little bit I think just to just smooth out the the, the, the gap of the, mo- yeah. of the movie <laughs> because it's just it's just too much nothing and the problem I think one of the big other big problems for me is that I've experienced a movie that had almost zero narrative uh, this past year but the visuals were so interesting and that's uh what's that stop motion movie we watched uh El- 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 old god oh mad god yeah mad god I thought yeah. about mad See, god a lot mad this god, week yeah Mad God has no fucking plot, but at least the visuals are are enough to drive me through the movie. Yeah, it, it lends itself way more to a visual narrative than like uh, a plot. Yeah, the whole middle part of this movie, the visuals are just they just don't cut it. Like I, I so much of the time I'm like, have I seen this before? There's only so many like corners of rooms in this house like have i seen this corner already is there anything interesting going on no there's not even a spooky demon for me to look for like you know at least like if you're gonna have no narrative and just like 
just kind of try to evoke a feeling, I think Mad God is going to be the way to go. Because at least that gives me something to, like, latch on to. For me, personally, this movie just, like, barely kept me going. Uh, the first 20 and the last 20, like I said, really good. <laughs> when we left the theater, the first thing I thought of was this was a tape from Sinister. Oh, yeah. So I love, But I love Sinister. T- I think Sinister is one of the... M- best horror movies of like the last 10 years also super underrated 100% super underrated so good it's so good <laughs> not enough people talk about sinister ethan hawk uh, like kills it in that movie and also those tapes are just so scary but mm. the problem with this movie for me is that like you spend way too long with nothing happening at least in like sinister those like creepy snuff films are like snappy you know like you get to the spooky stuff. yeah they yeah. are they're like they're like snuff film tiktoks they're like so sure. 100%, 100%. <laughs> but it gave me like the same type of vibe yeah like it made me like that uncomfortable how those tapes make you feel that's how this movie made me feel i was just very like it's a hard feeling to describe it was just a very uncomfortable feeling i i think the word for that feeling is dread I think that's yeah. what this movie is intended to induce. I think this movie is a hypnotism that you have to submit yourself to. I feel like I was almost looking over my shoulder in the movie theater. Which is hilarious because <laughs> we were in the very top, know, like, we back row. All the way at the top, last row. We also saw it in a very small theater. There's only four rows in this movie theater. Wow, that is small. Holy shit. The yeah. movie theater that we go to, like, they have, like, the 4DX. Like, they have, it used to be, apparently, I just learned this, it used to be, like, a really small, like, old-time movie theater. Ooh. Like, one of Naples' first Ooh. movie theaters. So they expanded to it, but they kept all the small theaters. And what they did to the small theaters is, the normal theaters don't have reclining seats. It's all stadium seating. And they made okay. the smaller ones. They didn't want to ball out on all these reclining chairs. So they made the small four row theaters with the reclining chairs. And they have like a table with it too. <laughs> okay, okay. So like we got food and yeah, everything. It's a very... I think, did we bring drinks? Uh, yeah, time? we did. I yeah, think we, did. we were drinking. We were eating during this. It was, it was a very boutique experience. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely the way yeah. I wanted to see this movie. Yeah, I think if I maybe was under under the influence, you know, if I maybe had a, an edible or two beforehand. No, uh, I, I think if have... you were in the movie theater, you would have had a better experience. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah. stand by that. Oh, yeah. no. Maybe if I was in your movie theater. If I was in any movie theater near me, I would have just been angry because uh, something about uh, the area around Nashville, Tennessee there's not a single person who can be like a decent human while also seeing a mu- movie. <laughs> That's the other thing I'll say. I was extremely fortunate to have very good crowds both times I saw it. Yeah. Like it, yeah, there was a little both goofing times around everyone in the sat second there. one. It was yeah. Everyone like we the whole like theater sat there for like an extra 5 minutes like what the hell did we just watch? Yeah. <laughs> no, so like I, I was ex- so I, I was actually pretty happy with, you know, I don't think I would have enjoyed this movie in the theaters um, because I would have been too worried about, unless I was in the theater alone, you know, I would have been too, like, odds are I would have had somebody in the theater who was, like, talking or I would have been worried about people talking. I actually, like, I, I tailored my experience as best as I could. I had all the lights off here. I had my <laughs> headphones on with my volume turned up super high. Um, which is something that the rest of the crew, the the rest of the spooky crew, um, watched it with me. 
Um, and they were all good. They didn't, nobody talked during the movie, but like I, they did not enjoy this at all. Um, because like, especially because the movie was so quiet and they would turn it up and then you'd have the one of like five moments where the movie just decided, okay, we're whispering, we're children, we're whispering, we're whispering, and now the movie's going to scream at you and break your eardrums. That was the, like, best part of the whole thing, though. But like, that not, it went from silence to <laughs> extremely loud. Yeah, but the extremely loud <laughs> was nothing. Like, there wasn't even anything visually to accompany it. Like I it think was, that, was just that loud phone to ringing, annoy you. The phone ringing got me. I jumped real high. <laughs> I think I think it's about time we 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 start yeah we this thing go up a little bit. This. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I have so much so much to go on, but yeah, all right, yeah. Let, let's at the very least that way I can start like really getting into the spoilers. Yeah, you know, quotes with heavy, heavy, heavy quotes. And spoilers. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, it's on Shutter. Uh, I would recommend don't watch it on a you know computer laptop phone ipad any of that shit put it on your tv turn off your lights make it an experience yeah i i, I give think, yourself to the movie yeah i think if you legitimately want to get everything get the most out of this movie you have to understand that you are giving up part of your sanity <laughs> Just, like, you have to invest, you know what I mean? Like, you have to set the mood, you have to be ready for, you know, long swaths of not a whole lot going on, and just be hypnotized by it. But go check it out on Shudder. If you're one of the very few people who are going to be able to go see an encore presentation of it, like, within the next few weeks, God bless. And, uh, yeah, I think we should get into it. Please bring, please bring some sort of substance with you. Yeah, I, I <laughs> had a I tall boy, say. and I think I took, like, three edibles, too. Uh, all right, Eric, you want to uh, kick, kick us off on this uh, adventure that is Skinnamarink? All right, so we open Skinnamarink with a, like, worm's eye view shot of, like, a long hallway. We have... What appears to be two children, like, sitting down in the hallway. They're not making a whole lot of noise. It's a long credit scroll, which I think is kind of cool. Like, I don't think there's a whole lot of movies who are opening up with, like, such an in-depth credit scroll. Because they get all of the shit that takes you out of the movie out of the way right up front. You know what I mean? They're not, like, worrying about... Huh? I hated it. You hate it? Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> no, I liked it. I liked it because it gave me an old timey movie feel, which I'm not against. Yeah, you know? I, I could like, agree with I that. I like sometimes when when movies try to like kind of evoke a certain a uh, certain like period of time in filmmaking. That uh, that's pretty cool. I like it because it kind of gives us a sense of like okay, like I think it prepares us for like the visual language of this movie. You know what I mean? I like how it just said like, hey, don't worry, we followed. COVID-19 regulations. <laughs> <laughs> that did take me out a little bit. I was like, it's the 90s. Don't remind me of COVID. Yeah, right? <laughs> but from there, uh, I think we immediately start going through kind of the initial training that this movie puts you through. This movie is very about establishing patterns and then like breaking them. Um, we kind of get to see some parts of the house cut to a room with a whole bunch of Legos on the floor. Uh, which has been a hilarious thing online because if you look 
throughout the scenes, there's a specific Lego piece that didn't come out until the mid 2000s and Lego oh, nut jobs shit. jumped on it. They were like, that didn't come out to 2003. That's the Lego separator. That doesn't exist. Movie continuity destroyed. And it's like, guys, calm the fuck it's a Lego. down. Calm down. Calm down. Uh, well, listen, we're living in a post Lego Masters world, all right? There's an entire reality TV competition series based around Lego fanatics, Eric. You can't you can't put Legos in a movie now and expect them oh. to not doesn't a football player host that or something? <laughs> no, it's fucking it's fucking what's his face from from fucking Arrested Development. Oh, oh, the magician from Arrested Development. Yeah, really? yeah. I thought that there was a football player who. Oh, I think that's a different Netflix. That's show. a different show where they stack stuff up. Yeah, and it's it it's a different stacking of sorts. But this if you is our- think, Tiff, that Legos <laughs> is just stacking? I knew it. I knew Matt was going to say something about that. <laughs> How dare you suggest that it's just stacking? I'm sorry to the Lego community out there. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna blow our whole viewership in one podcast. <laughs> I get canceled by the Lego community. <laughs> We apologize well, you know. to Sweden or wherever the fuck was it from Norway? Where do Legos come uh, from? No, I think it's don't ask me. I think they're the Swedes. I don't know. I don't know. That's not what this movie's about. <laughs> so, right after our little Lego room, we start to see a couple shots of the entire house. We start to kind of get a little bit of the layout. We see, you know, a couple hallways, a couple corners. You start to see some family pictures on the wall that are a little blurry and out of focus but everything is very dark all the lights are off you're led to believe that this is at night this is uh you know just a normal american suburban home we see that one of the characters is kind of stirring eventually they get up out of bed and this is our one of our two kids what are the kids names in this movie i kept forgetting (laughs) There's a girl. It's a boy and a girl, right? Yeah. It is Kevin and Kaylee. Kaylee. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. So Kevin gets up, and we get a bunch of like, you know, more like slow tracking shots of the house and stuff. We kind of get to see the upstairs hallway where we're gonna see a lot of stuff. Uh, well, we're not gonna see a whole lot of stuff in the hallway, but we are gonna see the, the hallway wall. a lot. <laughs> I mean, in my in my eyes, we're not gonna see a whole lot of stuff at all the whole movie. <laughs> we kind of get through this like. St- couple sequences where the idea is that kevin has gotten up out of bed and he is sleepwalking he sleepwalks over to the stairs you hear a voice uh counting and i think he says like are you hiding why are you hiding yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. then you hear like you know fumbling like a kid just fucking rolled down (laughs) the stairs head first and then it very quickly, like, everything jumps into motion. Dad gets up. We see, like, you know, the lights start flicking on. We don't ever see Dad, like, physically. We see the ideas of Dad. You know what I mean? We see the light flick on, see, the uh, door uh, open. Don't you see sort of, like, a torso shot of Dad? Maybe, but it's mostly just, like, lights jumping on <clears> and you hear footsteps. And the and Kevin is just fucking crying his eyes out. He's just mm-hmm. all fucked up. Again, it's not necessarily the visuals of these things happen. It's the ideas of things happening. So you hear the door slam. You hear the car start outside. You hear the car pull away. You know, you're left there in the house as he assumably, like, takes Kevin to a doctor. Yeah. 
Well, see, that that's like my one, my like right out of the gate, like problem with this movie is that it, for such an audio focused story, a lot of the audio doesn't read super clear right out of the gate, you know? Like maybe if you've seen the movie, you know, twice in theaters, like it's 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 more clear. <laughs> but like this whole first bit, I had to go back and like check two or three times to like even grasp like, oh, OK, now I see how how this narrative reads. I didn't even like rewatching it now. I didn't even realize that a car started and left. Yeah, until I just exactly. Saw it on the subtitles, like I didn't realize that at all in theaters. I completely missed that they even left. Oh yeah, yeah. And but I don't think be, like being so forcefully ambiguous serves this movie at all. Like I think you should be clearer because like your visuals are so ambiguous. Your audio should be like super snappy, and like everybody should understand what's going on. I think that's what's kind of like the charm, though, is that like it gives you, you know, obviously on the opposite side of the argument, like I think that's <laughs> what immediately starts training you to like, oh, I need to pay super close attention or I am not going to catch everything. Yeah. And I don't think that this movie is designed for anyone to catch and everything I'm sure the, the second first go time, around. Yeah. The second time that you saw it, you probably picked up on a lot of stuff that you didn't realize the oh first yeah time. yeah seeing it a second time provided so much clarity to like the the very thin you know strand of narrative that there is yeah i, I just feel like it's such it's such a it, it's such a huge time investment for such little payoff again if this movie was 60 minutes I would be like, yeah, let's pop that one on again and see if I can pick out all the little details, you know. But for this to be 140 minutes and for me to be like, oh, well, let's dive back in and see if I can catch all the missing stuff. Like, it's so, like, it's just not grabby enough for me to 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 want to reinvest, you know. We're going to tackle this movie a little bit differently than we have some of the other, like, movies we've recapped. Where, like, yeah. you know, because this is such, like, a narrative light movie that, like, we're gonna, you know, kind of park ourselves in different scenes and just hash it out from there. But I think the very first, I'd say, 15 minutes are, like, the most key you will get to the rest of the narrative. You know what, uh, you know what movie I think does this opening better is Insidious. I can see that. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, because yeah. they do rush the kid right out to the doctor, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think this, I think the opening to this movie is essentially the same thing as Insidious, but like because Insidious has a, like a more straight through narrative take to its like, you know, uh, filmography, like you, you're more invested and you understand what's going on. Like, I don't think it behooves this whole experience to be as uh uh withholding of information as it is before we get into any more of the movie i think the idea that they made this with you know such a limited budget such a limited crew such a small production i think mm -hmm. it's detrimental to your own like viewing experience to look at this movie with like a big budget movie kind of critique right like i think sure, it's more sure. interesting that they produced something that is such a sensation versus 
well, they could have done this, they could have done that. And it's like, well, this is what they did do because of all of their limited resources. And I think that's what's more impressive, right? Well, all right. Well, how much how much did this movie how much did this movie cost to make? 15 uh 15 grand. 15 grand. All right. Well, Paranormal Activity also cost 15 grand, and they were able to set up a way more like straightforward like through line of narrative that that captured the same sort of like general fear that this movie is trying to capture but like it was like way more followable like i and and again i i know that obviously like it's art art subjective uh you know not all art has to be the same as everything else you know but like if you're telling a story like you have to like there are there is at least a little bit of a baseline of like a narrative through line you have to hit that I don't think this movie does because it's so ambiguous. Even when you're a child, you know, because obviously this movie is trying to evoke the like, you know, how um, unclear the world is as a child, especially in the darkest moments, like the dead of night when you wake up and you don't know what's going on. You know, it's scary. I, I definitely understand it. But like even as a child, especially the the childhood that this is trying to type trying to evoke you know like you're smart enough to understand certain things and like i I just don't think the kids in this movie would have like no idea whatsoever what's going on you know that i I just don't think this movie is justifiably I, i just don't think it's it's ambiguity is justifiable i think the comparison to um it being like the inside of somebody's nightmare was very accurate because like when you're dreaming and you're having a nightmare you do have these weird angles and like you can't put faces to people and like you do have like when you're in a nightmare like that weird feeling so i definitely feel like that is the best comparison to wrap up like the dialogue and the filming and like the long stretches of the same thing that is easily like the best comparison for this movie is the inside of your head during a dream right i feel like you swim Uh, yeah i feel like you don't you don't sit through this movie you swim through this movie Mm -hmm. and then you wake up and you're like what just happened yeah 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 (laughs) let's back let's jump back into the very loose narrative (laughs) kevin falls down the stairs and eats shit like most kids do and uh his dad scoops him up and rushes him (laughs) off to the doctors we hear the car leave and then we get like a really weird ominous shot of the tv turning on in the living room to a white screen as the camera kind of pans down onto the tv screen yo this tv screen dude small it but i'm just saying it's like incredibly square (laughs) basically basically this is the whole movie the whole movie (laughs) is a camera pointed at a tv playing really old (laughs) really old cartoon we get a couple like jump cuts it's like again you don't experience the entire like through line it's like the ideas of parts of scenes to like just push you like along so you hear after the tv you know is visible for a couple minutes we see that the lights come on someone's obviously coming home the father's coming home with kevin kind of flips on a couple lights as he's progressing through the house and we see like different like upshots of ceilings and stuff and then he gets on the phone and i think this is like one of the 
biggest debated parts of the movie because Mm -hmm. he is clearly on the phone communicating with someone that Kevin got hurt. He didn't need stitches, but they checked him out at the doctor. He's going to be okay. He just, you know, he just needs to rest or whatever. And lots of people are debating on who exactly he's speaking to. I personally think he's calling their mother. I, for whatever reason, I don't think the mother has been in the picture for some amount of time. Is the mom not later on in the movie? The mom does appear later on in the movie, but after things kind of go sideways and i don't she's in the house yeah but i don't think that she so so later on the mother does appear but i I think that's far enough along in the movie that that's not the actual mother it's obviously just a sort of you know cognitive representation of the mother i didn't even think about that yeah so like after after dad comes home it's a really short um you know couple shots until we get to, I think Kaylee wakes up first. Yeah. After Kevin, Kaylee goes to wake up her dad, and she said she goes back to Kevin's room and wakes Kevin up, and she says, "I can't wake Dad up. Like, I Dad won't wake up. I don't know what's. I can't. I can't get Dad. I can't find Dad. And then that's when things, you know, really like turn. So we see that they both kind of like come out of their room and they're kind of looking around they're trying to figure out where their parents are the fact that they don't immediately say oh where's mom is what leads me to believe that the mom for whatever reason Mm -hmm. isn't normally there at this point in their life i guess that makes sense if she's trying to wake up dad and kind of get him up they would try to wake up mom if she was there yeah exactly (laughs) so i think mom is either somewhere (laughs) else voluntarily or involuntarily but they can't find, they can't get dad up, so they're like, all right, well, let's just go, let's just go downstairs, let's go, you know, watch TV or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's at that point that we start to see all of these, like, weird, you know, angled shots of, like, corners, uh, and you see all of the exterior windows and doors that we previously saw as we were chopping through the house have disappeared. There's this weird like audio cue that chimes in and the uh, the windows and doors just completely disappear off the wall along with all of the family photos. Right. So this is this is another problem I had with the movie, which is that like so once like stuff once the kids like sort of have woken up in the what is supposed to be the morning for them, you know, they there's a bunch of shots of like walls and then it's like a blank wall, and then there'll be like a weird audio cue. It's fun. It's like it's like a and then it's like a shot of like oh here's the here's where the window was earlier, but now it's gone. You know, it's like that kind of thing, which I just I just didn't appreciate. Like if you had shown us a better layout of the house earlier in the movie, again establishing more of a narrative through line like show us some shots of like the the characters interacting with each other again you don't need to have like the faces of everybody it doesn't have to be like a straight up you know movie but like show us these angles and then like train us earlier with it with more reason and like uh like purpose to it 
and then show us those shots later. But because but we don't see these same angles earlier in the movie. That was one of my complaints to Eric was like, I didn't understand the layout of the house. Yeah. Like it very much confused me. And then it took me almost like probably over halfway through the movie to realize that these windows and doors were disappearing because I just thought they were different walls. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it, through this first sequence, like right after dad is out of the picture, they mm. they show you a couple like still shots that are mirrored that are like, the same shot that we already saw of these windows and doors and yeah. they're just gone they'll show them for like half a second and then they'll blink it out of existence like they have mm-hmm. in the living room where the tv is there's a huge sliding door that's covered by uh like curtains and shit and when they cut back to that same space it is just a blank square on the wall with all of the curtains drawn like straight up and that's kind of like your first cue of like all right things have changed things we are no longer experiencing like general reality yeah but the problem for me is that it's it, it ends up not being scary because i understand the like editing you know technique they're trying to evoke but for me it just feels like a deleted scene from like charlie and the chocolate factory it, you think it's a little too cartoonish? Yeah, I, I think you could have you could have established what the problem was was that things are like windows and exits and stuff are disappearing, but you could have done it in a way creepier way. Um, and I understand there's sort of this cartoonish, uh, you know, vibe going on to this movie, but like it, it just like I don't know, it, it didn't like creep me out. You know, and I was trying the whole again the whole time. I was trying to channel my inner fearful child because I understood what this movie was trying to do. Um, but that like so like the the like here's the window now it's no window. You know, kind of like back and forth shot. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. what? All right, fine, I get it. I, I feel like it was a more like because I don't know. Like it, it, I just didn't ever in this movie feel afraid for these children. I think with how much, like, they show the TV, they really could have done something with how scared kids get by the TV static noise. Ooh, the TV static noise would have fucked me up big time. They could have really done something with that, because I know, like, when I was a kid, that TV static noise gave me that fear. That was a terrifying Mm. sound. So they really could have done something with the TV and that sound. Yeah, I mean, personally, yeah. like, as an adult, as, like, a 30-year-old grown-ass Still man, terrified. like, <laughs> not the initial, like, click on, but, like, if you have a sustained, like, any period of time of, like, TV static, which is a little bit different than, like, gray noise, mm-hmm. it, that, that, the fucking hairs on my, like, body stand straight up. <laughs> I feel like it, that noise just speeds up your heart rate. It's just yeah. one of those noises that, like, instantly get, like, makes your stomach drop. But here we get our our first real tidbit of dialogue that personally sends me into a spiral where the kids are starting to realize, like, okay, we went downstairs, we watched cartoons for a bunch of hours, the sun didn't come up yet, how come no one came? How come no one is coming? How come no one's here? They're, like, starting to realize we are straight up alone. We are Mm -hmm. by ourselves. Yeah, and I think this is where the movie like loses me because I think that this like this scene where the two kids are talking to each other where like Kylie and Kevin are like how come nobody came, you know, 
they they like got each other like juke juice boxes and like that like fucking you know bologna sandwiches and stuff to eat but like there was never any like difference in daylight or anything like they were there's no windows they were just like oh we're just gonna kind of sit here and hope that like a parent shows up you know it's it that part is scary like and the the kid you know the way the kids talk and like the visuals they got like this like low <laughs> like creepy lonely shot of like an empty bowl of like frosted mini wheats you know like it's just it's the whole middle part of the movie just kind of goes like meh you know like I, I just I stop because it's so long and so drawn out I just stop caring about these kids uh, for me like I I didn't know how old the kids were I'm really bad at like gauging like how oh, old me someone too, man. is <laughs> me, me so too. <laughs> It's not till later on in the movie, but eventually you do find out that Kevin is only four years old. And, like, my niece, I think, just turned four. Yeah, four is pretty young. You don't four really think about super it. young. You don't have agency. You don't really... Like, he... Kevin is lucky that his sister is with him in this beginning part because this kid wouldn't be able to reach the, like, lights in the house <laughs> otherwise. You know what I mean? Like... They are, like, super, super incapable of dealing with anything alone. Mm -hmm. Then we're, we're watching cartoons. We're realizing, you know, no one's coming to save us. Like, what's going on? And we hear a loud bang. We cut to a shot of the dining room, which is just outside the living room. And there's a chair now completely turned upside down and as if it was positioned on the ceiling they hear the noise they immediately stand up and take notice they're kind of stunned by what they're seeing and we go along with them and they're like we should be quiet we should just try to make as little noise as possible try to blend in let's just wait it out so they resolve themselves to sitting through some more time and uh, we cut to another shot of the hallway looking into the living room. And we get a little bit more dialogue. Kevin asks, where do you think dad is? Kylie says, I don't know. Kevin asks, do you think he went with mom? And she says, I don't want to talk about mom. And like that What's was that so fucking chilling. There's just something about, like, I don't want to talk about mom from a child to her mm -hmm. sibling is like, wow, something drama. bad happened. Yeah, that is a capital <laughs> T drama. Yeah, so, like, I, I guess this is a good point to ask, like, have you guys read any, you know, like, theories, you know, online theories or something about, like, what the, the plot going on here is? I have seen a couple people's breakdown of it, and I, I, I think all of them... I think anyone's attempt to really boil this down to an easily explainable narrative is reductive. I think it, I think everyone has their own experience with their viewing of it. Yeah, I, I think that's what it's about. I think it's supposed to evoke a, a specific experience from each and every viewer, and... I, I, a lot of people are like, oh, well, Kevin's in a coma from falling down the stairs or, oh, Kevin hit his head and now he's dying slowly and he's experiencing like a slow brain death. And I just I just don't think that it's like I don't think it's that deep. 
I, I, I just don't think it's that easy to explain away, and I also don't think it's necessary. I think to get everything you need out of this movie, you don't need to explain every single little detail away. I think the idea is you're supposed to experience it and sit through it. So, like, I, I, what's, like, the next big, like, breakdown moment that happens? Is it the, like... I think it's them going into the room, right? Yeah, so eventually... That's the while, part that got me. That while was they're downstairs, <laughs> after the chair flip scene, we get a little bit more of them talking about their mom, like I said, and then there's a couple more static shots, and you hear a voice from the hallway that is adjacent to the living room come upstairs in like a very whispery female voice Mm -hmm. yeah and and just for for anybody who's listening like uh the audio in this movie is almost unintelligible so like when we're saying that like characters are saying stuff you have to have like eagle hearing i don't know if eagles can hear we're good (laughs) they should have just put subtitles on the whole movie yeah there are subtitles but if you put subtitles if you put subtitles on then it spoils some stuff the movie itself puts on its own subtitles but those aren't reliable yeah they're intentionally unreliable they drop in and out there are parts of it where they provide you with subtitles where it's clearly like audible you don't need subtitles to hear stuff but they reinforce you by saying like this is clearly what is being said in the Mm -hmm. scene and then there are parts of the movie where you really need some subtitles and they intentionally leave it out yeah i think this helps drive your eye around the screen itself i think this is supposed to make it so that you hone in on when there is subtitles so you're drawn into those specific lines and it also like breaks up the monotony of searching around through these scenes to try and find the scary thing because in reality the scary thing isn't there the scary thing is what the kid is saying but that's the problem just put the scary thing there (laughs) just put the scary thing there (laughs) like just give me the scary thing to look at like i i like if you're supposed to be viewing this from the point of view of a child put the scary thing in the movie because i'm not a child and I want to see something scary. Like, even if it's ambiguous, like, you know what? I would rather just watch, like, an episode of Hill House and hunt for something scary. Because I at least I know that if I look hard enough, eventually something's going to pop up in the background. So before they even go up into the parents' room, this is when um, Kevin goes into the bathroom and he starts seeing the toilet disappearing. Oh! And then he calls Kaylee in and he asks, where did it go? Now they're going up into, I'm assuming, the dad's room. Yeah, so they, yeah. they that's what prompts them to go upstairs because they yeah. get rid of the toilet downstairs and they're like, well, I guess we gotta go to the bathroom upstairs. Mm-hmm. I, I like that there's the scene where they the, the toilet disappears and then Kaylee like drags in buckets and you just hear Kevin go, gross. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Ew, that's nasty. (laughs) But we get our first kind of idea that, like, something else is happening after the the chair because Kaylee goes upstairs into her own room and she realizes that her Barbie doll is, like, stuck to the ceiling in this, like, Mm -hmm. really uncomfortably nude pose. And uh, so she's, like, locked in on that and Kevin kind of, like, walks into the room and scares the absolute shit out of her because she's like, what the 
fuck, like, this thing is stuck to the ceiling. And this is all, like, a flashlight view, too. Yeah, yeah. This is illuminated strictly by flashlight. At, At some point, like, in the very beginning, they realize, like, oh, the light stopped working. Yeah. Which I think this makes it so creepy. Like, this whole, like, visual of, like, in any scary movie, when you're looking with just flashlight. Yeah, the POV of just flashlight. That's rough. Because it's such a slow search. Like, she's really, like, like, you can, to me, you can feel how uncomfortable this kid is. Mm -hmm. Like, she's almost doesn't want to find the thing she's looking for. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is the Barbie attached to the fucking ceiling. Yeah. Well, actually, this whole sequence, you know, with Kaylee in her room and then when she goes to uh, what I guess is the the parents' room or the dad's room, you know, this was one of the more, I think this is the most, like, tense part of the movie. Like, it, because I really felt this is when the movie started pulling me back in. I was like, oh, shit's really going to go down now. Like, now she's talking to, the, she found the parents again. Like... Uh, or, oh, or it's yeah. a demon or something, <laughs> and, like, now something's gonna happen, but yes. but then, like, really nothing happens. <laughs> Did well, this she, demon have a name? No. Okay. The, and honestly, I think it it's calling it a demon is even, like... It's just, an, like, an yeah. evil entity. Yeah. Eventually, Kaylee gets called back upstairs, uh, and she wanders into the parents' room... And she sees that her dad is now present in the room, sitting on the bed, looking away from her. And so she, like, slowly, like, crawls. Not crawls, but, like, you know, she slowly, like, creeps over, creeps over creeps. to the corner. And oh. we have, like, a POV that's pretty much level with the edge of the bed. So we don't get to really see the rest of the room. We crawl around the corner of the bed, and uh, we see the knees of the father... He is completely unresponsive. He's not looking at her. We don't even get to see what his face looks like. We just pretty much see from his stomach down. Mm-hmm. And he prompts her to look under the bed. This is what got me. I closed my eyes at this point because I'm, I'm not a look under the bed type girl. I've been afraid of under the bed since I was younger. And as soon as I heard look under the bed, I was like, nah, I'm good on this scene. <laughs> No, you won't look under the bed? Oh, absolutely not. I don't know which is worse, the darkness or under the bed. (laughs) I mean, under the bed for sure. (laughs) That's like where every serial killer hides and cuts your Achilles heel. (laughs) Yeah, demons, serial killers. Under the bed is, is, the real estate there is crazy because so many people want to be under your bed. It's insane. Preverts, monsters, everybody. Everybody's under the bed. Your animals. Honestly, if I ever become a landlord, I'm going to put out, you know, Craigslist listings for under the beds because <laughs> it's the real estate is perfect. But she tells him, I can't see anything. And that's when she kind of starts to pan over and notice that mom is in the room now where she wasn't before. She's appeared almost right. Dad is gone. Now mom is there. Yeah. Dad's completely disappeared. And she's kind of surprised by mom, but not like, oh, shit, like mom's here. Like, oh, OK. She's not like happy or thrilled to see either of her parents. Yeah. And the mom says, you know, we, me and your father love you both very much. We love you guys. 
and it's just like this weird uncomfortable like fragmented conversation it it almost feels like they're both about to tell this girl like we're getting a divorce <laughs> but then we pan kind of away because we hear this noise like in the closet that is now directly to the right of kaylee and she kind of pans over to the closet and then pans back on mom. The mom asks her, I need you to close your eyes, which is like the scariest thing yeah. you could possibly tell your kid, right? Like, that's what you tell your kid before you shoot their sibling. What? Yes, yeah. right? Like, when you're, that's when you're where about you say to family right, annihilate. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you say right before you drown both your children in a lake. Like, yeah. <laughs> Then we cut back to the closet and mom has disappeared from the bed and there's like this gross like groaning and kind of like bone cracking noise that's coming oh, out yeah, of the closet. It almost sounds like the mom is like transforming into something and it holds on this like dark, dark closet and then a hand like shoots out and just grabs the like side of the molding. And then we immediately cut back down to, like, her downstairs. And she's like, I don't think we should go upstairs anymore. We should just stay down here. <laughs> this is where we get one of our lovely, you know, license-free cartoons that you can just use with without any impunity. Is this an actual <laughs> cartoon? Oh, yeah. yeah, this is a real yeah, cartoon. What cartoon yeah. is it? Yeah, we haven't It's just we like an old even... uh, Looney Tunes, like, uh Yeah, like we cartoon. haven't even talked about all these old cartoons. <laughs> so this this movie is just chock filled with license free like uh they they're past the point of uh trademark, you know, copyright. So they're just free to use for whatever, but there's just tons of cartoons to just play the entire time during this movie. But the the freaky thing is that I've seen all of them. But there's this one cartoon that I like it, it hit me so hard in the nostalgia um, but it's about this, like, little boy and little girl, like, housefly, you know, characters. They're, like, this little boy, little girl. They're, they've got, like, wings and bug eyes. But they're, like, being hunted by this big spider character with this big creepy, like, cigar nose, you know? And, and he says cigar politely, but what he really means is that the spider has a big giant dick for a nose for some reason. <laughs> well, well, in car old cartoons, the drawing a cigar was sort of this penis shape, but with lots of like little lines inside to denote that it's you know a cigar and not a penis. <laughs> I I agree that it still looks like a dick, but you know I understand what the artists were going for. But it kind of like mimics the, what's going on in the movie, where there it's just like these two like little critters like trapped you know, in this, in the web of this entity that is, like... Hella nefarious. Nefarious, you know. So it's, <laughs> it was just, it was interesting. I was like, oh, well, that's actually a good, like, really fitting cartoon to splice into this movie. Um, and I think this movie does a good job of, given the co current context, like, picking the right old-timey copyright-free cartoons to just throw in. You know? Yeah, there's like it, the whole cartoon might not serve to like, you know, be an analog for every scene that is present. But there's always one little snippet of the mm -hmm. cartoon that is applicable and it makes it so haunting. Yeah. And I mean, old timey cartoons just are haunting nowadays. If you put them in the right, you know, 
if you if you frame them right, they're creepy. They're just fucking creepy. <laughs> so I think it, it definitely works. Uh, but yeah, so I think yeah after this, the what the Kylie like comes back downstairs. Yeah, she prompts Kevin to help her move the couch, and they kind of like half-ass barricade the hallway to go upstairs with the couch they both push the couch into the like hallway so that like right but nothing can walk through the hallway this is a good example of like how like a a child's mind like works against like fighting oh you just put a couch you put the couch (laughs) couch in there no problem when clearly anything or anybody could just step over the couch and still get them but when you're a kid you're like, well, we're in the, the safe light of the TV, and also the couch is blocking the doorway even a little bit. So that means we're safe. This movie does It's do like a, putting the blanket over your head. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's like go it's like hiding under the covers. Yeah. 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 It it def this movie definitely evokes like the thought process of a child. You know, because I, I said this to Eric um right like right when we finished the movie and we talked to him. Um, like I was definitely this child. Like I still to this day sleep, have to sleep with the TV on. And so like when I was a kid who was terrified of everything, you know, the, the, like the, the blue light of television just like pouring over me was like the safest possible place for me. Uh, and just this movie just does such a good job of making like evoking like a really primordial, you know, like childhood memory that is just like locked into me. Um, and I think lots of people could definitely appreciate it for that. Um, I'm trying to also just give give it props where it is deserved, even though I've been like <laughs> shitting on it the entire time. <laughs> I definitely agree. I think at 24 years old, I do not remember the last time I fell asleep without the TV yeah, on. I, I need the TV on. I need to have that like blue light yeah. washing over me. Mm-hmm. That was one thing Eric hated. He hated me sleeping with the lights on and the TV on. <laughs> that's that's why I claimed. So when we were in school together and we all shared a room, I claimed the little nook in the it, like off to the side where I could have my I could have my TV facing me. And all that blue light just, like, coated me, but was, like, facing away from everybody else in the room. So everybody else didn't have to, like, deal with it. But I could just be like, ah, I'm safe. How I Met Your Mother, just tell me your story over and over again. Like, on uh, honestly, the mansion, the mansion was like a lighthouse. My side of the bedroom, like, must have, like, <laughs> must have just shot out across that whole town. Just like, bam, here, everybody look at the light from the office. Uh, Back to the movie. <laughs> we, we get, you know, a couple more, like, liminal space shots, and then you hear a voice out in the hallway behind the couch coaxing Kaylee. <clears throat> and then we get, you know, a couple more liminal shots, and we see the Legos in the living room. They were playing with the Legos. We get a shot of them on the floor, and then we get what kind of appears to be Kevin's POV, and this is where Kevin starts to get coaxed downstairs to where Kaylee is. Right. Um, and this is where we get one of our... You know, I, I think you can count on one hand the jump scares in this movie. I think there's about like 
four or five. Uh, <laughs> um, but this is where like Kevin goes to find Kaylee and then he finds her and she is like in the basement. Well, while he's wandering through the darkness, you can hear her and she mumbling. says to Kevin, I don't feel so good. Like, mm-hmm. I feel funny. I don't feel good. And then we see kind of like this weird shot of like her feet and her knees as she's like kind of sitting crisscross on the floor. And then you say jump scare. I say smash cut because there's not like a big scream. We don't get a huge reaction from Kevin or Kylie, but we do see uh, Kylie's face with no eyes and no mouth. And then the same kind of like audio cue. It's a jump scare. It's a jump scare. I think it's one of the only visual jump scares in this movie. Yeah, I think most of the jump scares for me were all audio. Yeah, it's yeah. 100% a jump scare. Uh, the volume turns up really loud. Maybe not as loud as other por- parts of the movie, but like, it's definitely a jump scare. But again, it's not. It's not like Kevin screaming. It's not like a big emotional reaction from either characters. It's just that weird like noise that like played when all of the windows disappeared yeah. and it's only for like a second too i think it's really cool though because it mimics what <clears throat> happened to the house you know what i mean like the yeah. the mouth of your house is your front door the eyes of your house are your windows that's a good point both of them have gone yeah but what you're what you're describing it is is cool but this movie you're you're doing more description than this movie provides <laughs> Like, like what you're oh, saying, I mean, I what you're saying is this really is what I've extrapolated. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's cool. And I would like to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> but like this, uh, if, if we have to do this much work, then you and I might as well just do our own version of this. Just sit down and write a movie and, and make it, you know, like I, I, it's too. This movie, I think, leaves too much work up to, up to the to the people. We are officially at after that scene. We are at the one hour mark. So, like, if that's any indicator to the listener of what you know, I like the pace that we're going. <laughs> the pace <laughs> of the actual movie. Yeah, like it. It, it it's. It is large swaths of waiting and of just looking. nothing. Nothing happens. It's like so much just it, it's too much ambiance this movie has. Because like basically so essentially the plot boils down to like Kevin may or may not have fallen and hit his head and he may or may not be more injured or less injured than what we're saying. And then a bunch of kind of generically spooky shots of a house and then we see Kaylee go oh hey dad oh you're not there anymore oh hey mom oh you're not there anymore oh hey Kevin and then Kevin goes oh hey Kaylee oh you've got no mouth and then we're here (laughs) (laughs) all right that's the movie we're done That's the that's, that's the first that's the first hour. That's I think that from here it really I think starts to gain way yeah. more momentum than the first hour, obviously. But I mean, like in a more narrative-driven movie, it's got the same pacing. It's all set up, and then the last forty minutes to half hour, that's when shit pops off. That's every horror movie. I'm just saying, Haunting of Hill House. I was. Like, so 
fundamentally attached to like two little children in 40 minutes who had like maybe four minutes of screen time than I did to these two children in an hour and 40 minutes, you know, like, well, so yeah, I mean like that, that's like a wild I just don't, comparison. No, it's, but it's not like if you Absolutely. want me to like, you see their faces, you hear them talk, you understand their dynamic with their parents and their siblings. This is completely different. You don't see their faces. You have no idea what their personalities are like. These are very generic children that you are supposed to self insert. But, but it's, that's the same reason why, like, I think like, I would rather, like, play The Last of Us than Legend of Zelda because Joel and Ellie in The Last of Us tell me an actual story. <laughs> Link is a self-insert character. And guess what? I don't give a shit about Link. He's stupid. I think what they could have done is what most, like, I think horror movies do is start off, like... During the day, lighthearted, you kind of see what they're doing, like, during the day. And then that could have been the first 20 minutes of just seeing them, like, what they're doing during the day. And then you kind of see the transition of how dark the night is actually going. Yeah, I mean... Instead of all this, like, empty footage, they could have taken the first 20 minutes and given us a little lighthearted. And that would have given us more of, like, momentum, I think. I Yeah, I think you're 100% right. That, that extra 20 minutes of, like just other emptiness you can definitely i i we've we've said it we've said it to the rest of the you know general friend group you know it tell tell me tiff you know every almost every other shot in this movie is like 20 to 30 seconds of nothing there's not even a question eventually you learn in the movie that there's not even a question there's nothing scary happening it's just going to be a static shot with some flickery lights of just a thing like a corner of a yeah. room or a bookshelf. If you had even you you can do that, but instead of twenty or thirty seconds, you make it ten or fifteen seconds. Just half it, you know. Yeah, I definitely like. <laughs> I mean, besides Eric, because he saw it twice. This isn't a movie I'd watch again. This is a. I'm watching this one time because I'll never get this reaction again. Right. I'll never feel this way watching it a second time. Yeah. This is a one watch movie. Yeah, that's like sure. watching Blair Witch for your like third time. You're like, I've All right, never I get even it. seen that movie. I would rather watch Blair Witch <laughs> for a second time because at yeah, least like, there's I a little bit. There's, never there's something I can latch onto. There's people who are like arguing with each other. They're trying to like solve a problem. The problem with this is like the children in this are also way too young. They just don't like they can't problem solve. You know, like it, it's just like you're just here for this ride. The, the ride is I just think too that's what's I think so the scary. age was good because yeah, that, that age is when you are the most scared in your life. And helpless. Everything. Yeah, you I think the no age agency. they did perfectly. I'll have to disagree with you on that one. I just I don't... think any more logic these kids could possibly produce would just <clears> like it would it would make it a different movie because it would make it a more chaotic movie because then they would be trying to search for solutions. These are children who are so incredibly helpless that they have no other option but to wait for help like even all right so let's just let's just keep going because i'll get there (laughs) all right so this is the scene that i think is the most like narratively important that's coming from the tv i'm super interested this is the shot that we have of the rabbit and the dog cartoon where the rabbit kind of presto changeo like claps his hands together over his feet and his head 
and slowly like vanishes himself. This repeats over and over and over. And I think that what we're supposed to extrapolate is that this is not Kevin or Kylie's POV. Kaylee, whatever the fuck her name is. Kaylee. I think this is the POV of whatever entity is there with them because it watches the rabbit disappear itself and it rewinds the tape and it watches it and it rewinds the tape and it learns from the cartoon and then we immediately cut to a toy on the floor that gets disappeared within the same like audio cue as the rabbit and this is where I think the entity is starting to learn like oh I have a far stronger uh, grasp on the situation than I, I may have previously thought I did. I don't necessarily have to isolate these children. I can manipulate any part of their reality. I think the way I read that that this situation is, you know, I'm one of those people who um, prescribed the idea that this movie is about. So in the beginning of the movie, we get a, uh, you know, audio log of this father figure um saying that like Kevin fell down the stairs but he's fine you know the doctor said he's okay he's just a little beat up I think that this movie is about this child fell down the stairs and is you know I actually don't think he fell down the stairs I think he was pushed down the stairs you know because I think this movie is about like abusive parenthood um I, I think that like both the mother and the father are abusive whether they're together or divorced. But I think this kid has, you know, suffered a way more severe injury, you know, and so we're viewing sort of this experience from his, um, like, coma or, like, psychosis that he's going through. And this is... I, I actually do think this is sort of like a brain death scenario via the point of view of a child. So I think, you know, a lot of this movie is just, you know his brain grasping onto like the most relevant, you know, memories that he has. So like he has this one house that he grew up in, but as he's slowly like letting go, you know, peace, he can't escape the house. Once he goes into the coma, he can't get out of the house anymore. That's why the windows and the doors disappear. So um, you think the pieces of the toys and things disappearing are his, him. him just not being his brain, just being like, well, we got to let that go. We got to let this go. You know, you know, he has like there's like a, you know, he embodies the spirit of like his sister um, as she, you know, goes to interact with the parents, probably because he visualized, you know, his sister as somebody who could speak to the parents, you know, and, and would be brave enough to go adventure, you know. Oh, almost. You know what? I'm going to follow you down that path. I, I sounds to me like the sister would be the one, you know, she is a little bit older she would be the one who could confront the parents. Right. So instead of instead of this little kid, it would be the the sister. But because he doesn't know how that would turn out, the sister wouldn't be able to come back to him and report because it's still his without resolution. His, because yeah. it's still his brain. So the brain has to go, well, she's got no mouth anymore. As like a punishment. Yeah. And and so it's sort of like this kid's brain just trying to compensate for a continual flow of information that it can't compensate for anymore that's like my that's like my like take on the movie is that's what we're dealing with is like a little kid who is dying uh and can't like 
the the, the brain's information. It, it can't possibly because it hasn't experienced enough. Can't possibly formulate, you know, enough to create like a uh, <laughs> like Rick and Morty like Shonies, you know, <laughs> like it, <laughs> it, can't, it can't it can't just like create an infinite world of possibilities. <laughs> Um, and so it only the reason it repeats these these like cartoons is because those are the cartoons that it, it it's held on to as like a permanent memory, you know. I mean, I, I I definitely get you. Like within that train of thought, like it makes total sense to me. But like I don't know, I just feel like there's so many outlying details that don't fit into that same like mold. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of things that like discount that entire theory. Uh, we had talked about this in the beginning. Eric, like, mentioned it. I I also <clears throat> am not a movie guru like you and Eric, so, like, I don't really pick up on, like, I'm no guru. <laughs> things. <laughs> but, I again, I just don't think it's that deep. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm also with you because I have to stretch myself to think about th- things that deeply because this movie doesn't give me enough to latch on to. <laughs> I had to really push myself and I had to find other people online like to give me nuggets of of like ideas to even like come up with that, you know? Yeah, likewise like we said in the beginning, I think like they the whole point was that everyone has their own viewing experience yeah. and everyone has their own way of interpreting what's going on. Yeah. But back to the story. <laughs> Quotes. Uh so after, you know, his sister kind of gets fried, uh, we cut back to the living room. We see the cartoon play through, the toy disappears, and then all of a sudden the Legos get spilled back out onto the floor. Mm-hmm. And we cut to behind the couch and we hear, I want to play from a disembodied voice. And it's kind of a statement that goes ignored, but we see the Legos schmoove around a little bit more. Schmoove. And, <laughs> yeah, schmoove. You schmoove them here, you schmoove them there. <laughs> you stack them. Yeah, you stack them. You just stack them. <laughs> oh, my God. This request to play with the Legos kind of goes ignored by Kevin, and there's, like, a silence and then we cut to a shot of the, as if you were standing in front of the TV, looking 180 degrees the opposite way into the kitchen. Slowly, one of the drawers from the kitchen slide out, and it says, I want to play again. And it gets, again, unnoticed. But what it boils down to is that Kevin gets prompted into the kitchen where he sits down and and it's this long silence and then you hear the line put the knife in your eye oh fuck mm, yeah oh i like literally i have chills yeah i have goosebumps on my goosebumps legs thinking right about that line that line fucked me up so bad both times watching oh it. yeah i remember this one so so what we're led to believe is that there's like this demonic presence in this house right whatever or whatever kind of presence that's influencing these kids so this movie leads me to believe that you know kevin this little kid kevin just listens to this presence and stabs his eye out right 
No, I, I, I think it's like a, a almost possession style like thing where like he doesn't have any options. He doesn't have any control or agency. I think when he's when the entity says I want to play and Kevin doesn't respond out of fear, I think the entity forces Kevin to play by punishing him. He's like, okay, if you're not going to play with these Legos with me, we're going to go in the kitchen and we're going to play with big boy toys and the big boy toys hurt. I, I kind of I kind of believed that it was like sort of a combination of the two where it's like a like you know the there there is a sort of influence being exerted upon the kid but also the kid doesn't he's so young you know that like he he's just like at this point in the movie the demon is the only authority figure he's seen <laughs> for po- possibly you like, think you think this kid is so young and so stupid that he puts a knife in his eye <laughs> yeah. half on his own. Yeah, in, given the circumstances, like he's been... So according to this movie, this kid has been... Uh, a couple scenes later, this kid, this like, what? what is he, four or five years four. old? He says he's four. A four-year-old child has been trapped in an endless loop of darkness in this house for like two years. And the demon says, oh, just come just, just, just poke your eye out, kid. You know, pro- may, maybe, who knows what the child psyche is going to do, given these circumstances. I want to know how he stabbed his eye to get that blood. Well, yeah, there is an amount <laughs> of blood. There's a huge blood stain, like, dripping down the wall. I don't understand how that happened. So, like, it looks to me, and... It looks like a shotgun. As, as, like, a, as a personal expert uh, who has cleaned up <laughs> well, stab wounds, gunshot wounds, it does look a lot more like a gunshot, like well, blood spray, yeah. than pulling a knife out of your eye and it squirts across the room onto the fucking... The circle, like the actual, like, where it looks like it hit the wall is huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then before that, it was on the cabinet, too. I'm not going to say, you know, well, first of all, I'm not defending this movie, but also I'm not going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to say that like, the, the, like you, Eric, have a unique point of view and you specifically can tell us if something is wrong, like realistically, as far as like, you're like the Dexter of, of the podcast because you can tell Definitely. us, <laughs> you can like tell us the blood spatter analysis, you know, but like that, you know, I, not everybody is going to have that information. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That- yeah. But, you know, who, you know, as far as this movie is concerned, I'm choosing to believe that they were trying to tell us that, like, that blood spatter came from the just the kid poking his eye. Yeah, and it just gushes, like, a fucking faucet of blood across the room onto the, the cabinet door. Yeah. yeah, obviously that's not realistic. Yeah, it's like blood sprayed on the wall, but the cabinet is like a nice little drip yeah it's a good it's a good drip but after that you know kevin's fucking wailing because he just stabbed himself in the eye it's some pretty and, haunt, uh, haunting audio i do oh it's horrifying that. it's it's awful yeah because like I, I very few times in my life have i been in a situation where i can hear a child clearly in absolute distress trauma and peril in a situation where it's not like like most of the time when you hear a kid freaking out like that 
it's not when the kid is alone. It's when the kid is like, you know, on an airplane with like a bunch of other people and he's just having a fucking fit mm-hmm, or he's yeah. in the supermarket screaming his head off because he didn't get them Reese's Puffs. So are we supposed to believe that he then passed out because then the voice says, wake up? Yeah, I, I, I think that's the voice of resetting things. Gotcha. Because there's a couple points in the movie where he tells, Ke- or it tells Kevin, like, go to sleep, wake up, go to sleep, wake up. Mm-hmm. And I think that is right. the and you're supposed way to, of you're, resetting. Right, you're supposed to believe that it's Kylie telling him to go to sleep. You know, like, oh, it's time to go to bed now. You know, because, like, you would assume the older child would be like, oh, well, even though there's no parents, you know, it feels like... Because there's a point where they go, I... You know, she wakes him up and she goes, I think we have to wake up now, which is feels like a very young child thing that you would do if you had no parents around and you were trapped in a sunless house. If you had you no know? sunlight to indicate yeah. whether or not it's day or night. Right. Yeah. It feels like something a ch- young child would say, but which would be like, I think we're supposed to get up, you know, so I, I, I think like the whatever the, the entity would mimic that too you know this is where we get a couple upside down shots of like this is where things really start turning for the worst this is about an hour and 13 this is the good half an hour of the movie (laughs) yeah so this is this is the the tip of tip of the sphere we after this terrible stabbing in the eye situation we get those couple liminal shots and then we get a really uncomfortable shot of what appears to be the back of the mom's head in front of an unilluminated television. Right. And it's just this static, straight-on shot of the, the back of the head. And I have to assume this is the mom because, like, I, I don't think a child similar to age uh, of Kevin would have, like, this, you know, full head of hair. Full <laughs> head of hair, yeah. But we get, like, a dark shot of the TV with all the Legos we get some more like you know scary to me scary darkness and like uncomfortable liminal spaces uh and here is where we start to get into our phone call yeah so i think this is my favorite part of the movie when we get the um the image of who i'm assuming is kevin you know uh picks up a you know 90s picks up the normal telephone telephone, 90s telephone yeah and dials 911 i even like clocked that it was like the right like dial tone you know for 911 and you get like a he there's an actual conversation between him and you know what is supposed to be what sounds like an operator right hard hard to know if that's if this is like some sort of like is this just a a demon you know faking audio or is this sort of like a flashback like you know was this an actual phone call you know from a from pre whatever this is you know it's hard to tell which is i guess the point of the movie oh do you say are you saying is this an actual recorded uh operator no (laughs) no no not like this is i i mean like obviously it's not a real recorded operator but is it supposed to be real in the context of the movie oh are you saying this phone call actually happen no i don't think so i think this is the entity fucking with him like again obviously making him think that somebody's coming to help him yeah yeah i think it's prolonging things i think it's stretching things out intentionally i think it's trying to give him a false hope because the the operator asks like you know, 911 emergency, like what, you know, what's going on? And he's like, I, 
hurt myself with a knife and now I feel sick is uh, is like the Mm. most dreadful thing for a four-year-old to say. Uh. And then he asks him, how old are you? And this is the point of the movie where we find out Kevin's four. And it asks, you know, like, are your parents home? He said, no, no one's here. And he says, can you tell me why you're whispering? And then it is just silence, which, I, again, I've been in not this scenario, but I've worked for the security company, taking calls for security companies, where, like, this is a scenario they train you for, where someone is on the line and they don't say anything. It is so much more haunting than someone who's yelling and frantic and freaking out. I've actually out. been that person to call 911 and be whispering. I've Terrifying. had that scenario before, and it is not fun for that person either to be the one whispering on phone with 911. Oh, you don't say. <laughs> but it prompts him, like, hey, okay, stay on the phone with me. Are you okay, sweetie? And then the phone, the phone gets dropped. Yeah, he drops the phone because he's not... <laughs> There, there's a scene with one of those like play school phones or, like earlier in the movie or later but where it, you get like a sta- I think it's a later after That's this. the later jump scare. Yeah, you get a static shock of like one of those play school phones and eventually it like snaps to like it's excited mode <laughs> and scares the shit out of you. It's awful. It is it is it is absolutely fucking awful. It comes a little bit farther along after this mm-hmm. cuz we get a lot of That darkness. was yeah, there we go. That was my biggest oh, jump scare is God. this stupid phone. <laughs> it's so it's it's such a weird shot because it's like you see the 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 play school phone with its normal face and then it cuts to this like off-centered zoom-in shot of just the eyes which are barely barely even illuminated you can you can barely even understand what the fuck you're looking at and then it immediately smash cuts to the phone ringing like an old timey like corded phone oh yeah like bell metal on metal ringing and it's super loud and then it cuts back to the like creepy eyeballs Mm -hmm. in the darkness of the phone and kevin gets upset because he says did you do that? <laughs>, laughs. And then it says, I can do uh, anything. Yeah, so this is basically where the movie starts to spiral out into its, like, finale. Um, because This is where becomes- the movie turns into House of Leaves. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, and we, we just get a bunch of sort of, like, visual, like, horror images. So we get this. Is the first thing that happens when it, it's, like, the, the little, um, the upside-down hallway of, like, toys right we get like a couple shots of like the toys like glued to the ceiling where like in in like the living room and you get like a shot of the like all of the legos and stuff pressed against the wall behind the tv and then we get a little bit more dialogue between kevin and the entity where you know it says i can do anything your sister didn't want to play and she kept looking for like mom and dad so i took her eyes and mouth away and then that's where we start i think we get the shot of the door here there's like a lot of darkness and then i think it fades into oh no it fades into the upside down house so after after it tells kevin about his sister we see that kevin is now like in the house but it's upside down so he is now in the hallway upstairs walking on the ceiling yeah and he walks into the parents room 
and we go all the way back into the corner of the parents' room, and then we start to hear this, like, creepy, like, animalistic noise, mm-hmm. and it's getting closer, and it's getting closer, and it's getting closer, and it's so fucking unnerving because you're waiting for something to jump out of you and then it just doesn't that's when we start to get like uh the the weird fade out into that shot of all of kevin's toys the some like weird dollhouse which i don't even think we see anywhere else up until this point they're all glued to ceiling or the floor, but we're seeing it from upside down. Yeah, the point is it's upside down. Gravity is clearly inverted to a degree. Like some of the stuff is stuck to the ceiling, but then there's a tape from what looks like to be a walk a uh, talkman, and all of the tape is it's like, dro- yeah, yeah, dangling, drooling out of it. <laughs> and we get this impossibly long fade where like all of the toys are sinking into the background. Yeah, it and seems like a shot straight out of extending. Uh, like labyrinth. Yeah, it just gets longer and longer and longer, and the toys go farther and farther into the distance, into the darkness, as we hear like the cartoon play mm-hmm. out on the TV. We get upside down shots of like the house all over the place again, and then we have a little bit more of Kevin walking around the house trying to like find his way around the flashlights on and off on and off there's one point where i'm almost convinced he is in a closet and oh okay this is where we get oh this is where we get the the phone the phone transformation yeah where it's like a black screen and you get a little tiny bit of light and you see these creepy eyes in the middle of the screen and then it starts smiling and the eyes get all wide. She can't even look at it right now. Ah. She's like averting her gaze. <laughs> <laughs> but we get the stairs upside down where we started the movie and a little bit of whispering. And this is where we start flipping through our family photos from the beginning. But instead of like just generally like kind of obscured by the lighting of the darkness, these are close-ups of the photos and all of the faces are like melted out almost like all of the faces are like gooey like smushed in or missing heads oh and it's yeah. just like a a slideshow of like baby pictures without faces it's looks like somebody awful. just photoshopped their heads off right yeah, well it's it's so disturbing well that's what makes me believe that the, i mean obviously i you know, this is this has to be some sort of dream state thing but another thing that makes me believe it's some sort of like you know um like coma experience because like people always like, or like you know it's always said that like when you're dreaming like in the dream like you might remember it a different way but when you're actually dreaming your brain can't replicate people's faces mm-hmm. Well, here's the the interesting thing. Your brain can mimic people's faces. It can duplicate faces. It cannot create a bespoke new face. Right. So every face that you see is a hodgepodge of faces that you've seen before. Right. So, So like, any new face is completely impossible. Right. There are no strangers in your dreams. It's just a terrible 
hodge version of somebody of else someone else yeah. yeah right which makes me believe that like Ooh. this is like you know the end of this movie is like the final throes of this kid's like brain trying to like meet somebody new that can help them out of this situation oh that's interesting you think it's like almost like his psyche looking for a way out like yeah. grasping his straws for like okay, if we can manifest a hero, we'll be better off. It's like off. trying to form, like, some new person that it can meet, even if it's another sibling, you know, because their other sibling's been gone. Ugh. You know, God. like, just, let it, me just try and form a new... Of children Let me, like, awful. try and, like, make a new sister or a new brother, you know, but, it, but it, the brain can't, so it's just these, like, childlike figures without a face, you know? Uh, but this is where we get into one of the, the like, most absolutely upsetting portions of this movie, I think, without This is my doubt. favorite part, for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, definitely. This is, like, this is the, the top of the mountain as far as this movie goes. We get this weird, like, Dutch angle, upside-down shot of, like, the corner of the hallway upstairs. And you hear Kevin ask for his mother he he almost as if he was walking through the hall and ran into something that he thought was his mother mm-hmm. and then it screams fucking blue bloody murder blue Kevin murder. screams and we get this huge splash of blood across the carpet as both of them are screaming but then it like rewinds just like the rabbit from earlier it rewinds all the blood shoots <laughs> right up off the floor and then it gets splattered all over again the fucking screaming starts all over again and we do this like five or six times it feels like Mm -hmm. and it is just awful all of the same audio like the music from the like rabbit section where it's like disappearing itself over and over again that's the only thing like other than screaming that we hear. Yeah. The subtitles even say monster growls chaotically. The subtitles is... also say older child screaming. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Oh. Oh. I can I I have gotten like straight up full yeah, on you've been covered in body chills, chills for, like, the past, and like, goosebumps the entire time we're recapping this. <laughs> yeah. Like I got just, chills a few times, but you've had consistent chills. Like, if this is any indicator of how this movie is capable of affecting people, like obviously it didn't work for Matt. No. It didn't work <laughs> for a bunch of our friends. But like there's a huge portion of the population who have seen this who are fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Myself included. I, yeah. yeah. I don't want to. I definitely was affected. Yeah, I don't want to yuck anybody's horror yum. That's obviously, I've said it before in the podcast. You know, I, I you know, if, if this, if this is going to speak to you, that's great because horror should definitely be subjective and like, you should be able to just sit down and experience it and have a good time. And if I didn't like it and you did, that's fine. I'm not going to like, you know, rag on Eric and Tiff for an eternity and be like, oh, you're, you're an asshole because you like Skinnamarink, you know? Like, I'm glad. I'm super glad that, that Eric has the chills right now just thinking about it because I also have movies and, and experiences that give me the chills that probably make him go, that's dumb, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just happy that people can have that experience. So super, super, super glad that it gave it to him. I was happy to to experience it. You know, maybe it didn't work for me, but I'm not going to say it's a bad movie. I, I just mm-hmm. think it didn't work for me, you know? 
Yeah, now like the last, like I'm pretty sure it's like the last yeah, line of the, the movie is Kevin saying, "Kaylee, can we watch something happy now?" Uh. And that that spoke to me because I need to watch something happy before I go to bed after like a scary movie or something. Yeah. Like you gotta end yeah. the night with you gotta end the horrible with something happy. Yeah, yeah, especially because the movie ends because the movie ends with like a like a like real crispy image of like a kind of a face you know it's it's a very dreamlike representation of a face it's like yeah. kind of wishy-washy mm-hmm. it almost looks like you're looking at a face underwater yeah it has no discernible eye or it's like mouth. slenderman yeah, it's very slender man. It's yeah. kind of like just the shadows and silhouettes of a face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I first saw this, I legitimately like had an extremely difficult time forcing myself to continue looking at it because it is on screen for such a like long setting amount of time. Also, when it says it, it, it oh. during the whole time, you know, a character is going, "What's your name?" And the 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 dialogue is offset from the face too, that just makes it extra uncomfortable, you know. But also, um, it's just very creepy because, like, you watch this whole movie and you go, "What the fuck is happening?" <laughs> you know. Um, so, like, what do you? I I want to know before we before we end. You know, what do you guys? think is actually happening because i touched on it earlier i believe that it's a sort of like brain death allegory allegory you know like i think the kid was pushed down the stairs by an abusive parent uh and this is sort of just like his brain just trying to write things that it can make sense of and slowly turning off but if there's like a different you know way that you guys interpreted it i would be interested i feel like i'm kind of like again i don't really like look into it that much so like i'm not really picking up on some of the things that you guys are so like i'm kind of sticking with my whole like nightmare like scenario like this is exactly how i feel like i remember my dreams Mm -hmm. like the angles are super weird i can't get any faces on anybody like the nightmares are like quick cuts and all that like real long like in your dream like you could be staring like at least when you're dreaming it feels like you're staring at something for the longest time so like in my head this was exactly how people described it the inside of your brain during a nightmare i I think for me i it's definitely riding that kind of nightmare edge but like i i i after especially after seeing it a second time i i just gave up on trying to assign it any specific narrative i for me what it made me feel far outweighs any possible scenario you could assign to it like i I, the only person i want to hear tell me what it's about is the director like literally your psychologist yeah yeah my (laughs) therapist which i'll inevitably have to speak on I'm tripping over my words trying to get it out now, but, like, seriously, like, it just brought me back to these, like the movie, these, like, weird fragmented memories from my childhood where, like, I can't remember what I was doing in the beginning of that day or the end of that day, but I do have a split-second flash of one moment from Mm -hmm. that day or, like, one memory that I can't 
put on a timeline. You know what I yeah. mean? Like these weird fragmented images mm-hmm. from your childhood that haunt you. Yeah. And, and I, I yeah. 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 I definitely feel with the whole nightmare scenario too. Like the worst part of your nightmares are usually right before you wake up. True. Yeah. Which is when the movie actually started getting scary was at the You're end. Right. I really like my nightmare scenario. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good analogy. It Every works. time I think more into it, I was like, ah. I, I, I agree that it doesn't, you know, I, I subscribe to my idea of the movie, but I think, you know, Tiff's is just as valid. You know, I think uh, it's so like this mo- this movie, you know, could just be it could be something actually, you know, as, you know, ghoulish and traumatic as like a child death. But it could also just be, uh, you know, ha- how we all, you know, experience uh, you know, scary stuff when we're young, which when we're young, anything traumatic can like seem like the end of the world. So I think it's... Uh, Honestly, even things that aren't traumatic can seem like the end of the world. Yeah, I mean, you know traumatic. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like traumatic things can really run the gamut. So I think it's a... I, I think it's an interesting movie. So I, obviously I shat on it a little bit because I don't, you know, I, I personally di- didn't like feel everything that is you know that you guys did um but like any horror movie i I think it's i I would definitely say it's worth viewing especially for listeners who've sat through this you know if you know it's not for me but it might be for you here's the reality of this movie like outside of the the viewing experience outside of the narrative outside of the artistic whatever the fuck this is a movie that the genre needs right now. This is the movie that I that agree. movies need right now. I think we are getting to a point of commercialism where there are lots of movies that are just getting cranked the fuck out and it doesn't matter if they're good. It doesn't matter if they say anything. Just look at Pray for the Devil. As long as you hit your beats and you can fit it into a certain time constraint and you can put a recognizable face in there, you have yourself a movie. And it crushed at the box office. It was PG-13. It was very digestible for a common audience. But I think this is a... a I think Skinnamarink is the type of movie that pushes our boundaries it pushes us into a new and interesting space within horror whether or not this proliferates through the rest of the genre doesn't matter i think it moved the goalpost in a way that is important and shows not just audiences but studios that like hey we don't have to make a clean cut wham bam thank you ma'am horror movie we can do some weird funky shit we can do movie jazz, and it will attract people. Yeah. People will want to see. Yeah, kind of like how um, uh, Paranormal Activity did back in the day. You know, it it could be yeah. it could be moving the uh, moving the meter. You know, I mean, I I think both of their releases are very comparable. Yeah. I think you know Blumhouse took a chance on the distribution of both of these movies. And I think they've found gold mines in both. Do I think we're going to get a huge, sprawling, you know, eight-movie cinematic universe out of Skin Rink? Absolutely not. Nor should it be. But <laughs> I think, I hope that people break, like, directors break more into making people feel uncomfortable than scared from this movie, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, I hope that we get yeah. more movies that yeah. make you just feel something instead of just scared. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. I I think uh, I just hope that we can get some new uh you know supernatural horror movies that just kind of push the envelope a little bit more than than what we've got the past couple of years. I think like uh Insidious and um The Conjuring, you know, kind of like spearheaded a, a new era of of horror movie, but I think they need that wasn't enough and I think yeah they need to yeah. like you know see that it can go further uh and I hope it can just get weirder yeah i think that's that's really what it comes down to is like you can make a fucking weird ass movie you don't have to make a fucking cookie cutter horror movie you can make a fucking you know chopped up jazz ass horror movie and it will exactly yeah Uh, yeah i think and i think that's the best you know lesson to take from this is you know whether or not like you thought it was great because I thought it was good, not great. You, you, Eric, you thought it was great. Uh, you know, I, I, for me, this is a ten out of ten movie. This is easily within my top three horror movies. I, yeah, I, this is definitely up there for me. Yeah, I, I what, what would you, uh, to me, this is like an a hundred out of ten movie. What do you think, Tiff? I would definitely give it an eight point five. I wouldn't give it a nine or a ten just because I. I, I was I was dozing off, so like I can't really give it all that, but it gave me a feeling that a movie has not given me before, yeah. which I can very much appreciate that. Cause it did give me that unsettling feel- feeling that Sinister gave me. Yeah, yeah. And I think Sinister was the last movie that really like mm-hmm. messed with my For head. Sure. Yeah, I I would definitely give it a a six or seven. Maybe seven point five out of ten, um, just because of its ambitiousness. Uh, but I, I, but oh, I, yeah. but I want, I want movies to keep trying this stuff because even if it doesn't work for me, it certainly worked for other people, and that's what we'd be shooting for. You know, we should be shooting for it. It shouldn't be just like, oh, we'll make a horror movie, um, that that just, you know, we'll make it PG thirteen and we'll just try to get as many ticket sales as we can, you know. Cause like what at that point what are we doing? If I was making a movie, I would rather make a movie that scares the absolute fucking shit out of a hundred people yeah. over a movie that like just kind of entertains a thousand people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think that's what we should be what we should be shooting for. So, I I, I definitely think this uh, is worth checking out for all our listeners. You know, I I can't. Uh, I didn't get everything out of it, you know, that I that Eric did, but I I, I have to say it's worth watching. You know, it, I wouldn't watch it a second time personally, or a third time personally, because I did watch it a second time. But like, <laughs> yeah. that was only for this show. I, and I agree, it's a one time watch type movie. Yeah, but like, just check it out, you know, and experience it. It's totally worth it. You know, g- give it a shot. Uh, you got any like uh, final cuts for us, Eric? Oh, I, I guess I got a, I got a good final cut. Get a final I, cut. Uh, I got an opportunity to check out the. Uh, I had some free time, and I I, I checked out the uh, Netflix Junji Ito uh, collection that they put out. Oh. Uh, I think it's Japanese Tales of the Macabre. Sure. Uh, I'm a huge Junji Ito fan. Uh, I I been reading his stuff for a few years now, and I have a. a a little bit of a collection and i think we had a uh 
adaptation of some of his work, like a little anthology of some of his stuff. I th- I want to say it was from Viz Media. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was Viz. But uh, and and that one sucked. That one sucked. It did. Shit. Yeah, it wasn't great. It was great. bad. The animation was bad. I think it's an extremely ambitious and difficult thing to hold up to his illustrations. Uh, it, it, he evokes a, a body horror uh, on the page that is a borderline unreproducible. But I think this most recent Netflix adaptation gets a lot more things right than mm-hmm. it gets them wrong. Uh, I don't think every single episode is like a knock out of the park, but uh, I gotta say episode 8 is really something to look at. Without spoiling it at all, even if you're not gonna watch the whole series, just go watch episode 8. It is fucking crazy. Alright, sounds good to me. Um, Well, uh, I do have to say, I don't have anything particularly new in the horror world that I've experienced, but... um, Past guest on the podcast, uh, Spooky Fiance Heather and I um, just recently watched all of the older um, Evil Dead movies. We watched Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2. We watched the Evil Dead remake from like 2012 or whatever it came out. Um, We're about to dive into Army of Darkness, Um, but we also started playing. (laughs) we, We also started playing the Evil Dead video game. Um, that's out on PC, uh, kind of, it's kind of in the same line as, uh, uh, Dead by Daylight, where, like, what, like, a group of people play as survivors, and one person plays as, like, the demons, um, but we played through that, uh, we played the tutorial, um, seems like lots of fun, but, you know, most of all, I'm excited about experiencing the the new movie, um, Rise of the Evil Dead, uh, that's going to come out this, what, uh, spring, summer? Yeah. Yeah, this this spring. So, uh, you know, we, we're just, uh, we're I, I'm kind of like reinvested in the, uh, the Evil Dead franchise. And so hopefully uh, soon we'll meet. Uh, spooky fiance Heather and I will be able to give you a, a fuller review over the uh, uh, Evil Dead a Rise of the Evil Dead series that uh, was out a couple of years ago. We're gonna check it out soon, and we'll. Uh, oh, the TV series, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll check. We'll check back in with you once we finish the series. So, please go check out the social medias. We are on Instagram, yeah, what's, Twitter. What, can you uh, can you spell out the Instagram and Twitters for us? Yes, it is. So you can catch us on Twitter. The Devil's Cut Pod. It's really easy. Spells how it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> the Devil's Cut P-O-D. It's yep. pretty simple. All right. We're posting updates on the Twitter. Uh, anytime we come across something that's popping up in the horror news kind of world, you know, new releases, mm-hmm. interesting interviews, you know, interesting news that's coming along for future releases if if you have no outlet as far as what's coming down the pipes come come hang out with us on twitter because we're we're posting shit yeah, up there we got two people dedicated to posting news on twitter so check us out um but yeah uh so i think next episode uh do we have a a prediction what are we what are we going to be covering uh, I'm gonna go see Infinity Pool this weekend. And I think we're gonna talk Infinity Pool. All we're right. Go, so uh, yeah. So in so next episode should be about Infinity Pool. Uh, 
and then we'll you know let you guys know next time about what's going on but thanks for joining us we love you uh, and thanks for thanks for joining in uh spooky ex-girlfriend tiff thanks for having me i'm ex- i was happy that this was the movie i decided to watch for the podcast <laughs> yeah well uh we'll catch you all next time uh thanks for tuning in to uh the devil's cut catch y'all later oh.